we live in a soundbite culture, it seems. We live for just that funny line or that good quotation or that edited picture that we want to put up to show our vacation or our house or to edit, our, edit out the parts of our house that we don't want other people to see. And sometimes we might say, well, we can't read big sections of Scripture. I can't understand because people's, people lose attention. We get distracted, we hear a noise, and we hear that something else is going on. But really, I think sometimes that can become an excuse because I know one of the things that we have to do, and I say this to my seven-year-old a lot when she asks mommy and daddy for help, I say, well, Ella, have you tried? And she goes, well, yeah. Well, she didn't really try. I watch her a lot of times, and she's a pretty typical um, seven-year-old. But a lot of times she doesn't even try. She just gets frustrated, and she like halfway tries and says, I can't do it. And I think that happens to us when it comes to our faith a lot. Maybe you think, well, I can't pray. I would ask you, have you tried? You might think, well, I can't read a whole chapter of the Bible. That's too much. I just need a couple verses, and I need to have it explained to me. Well, let me ask you a question after that. Well, have you ever tried to read a larger section of Scripture by yourself? Have you ever tried to ask God in the power of his Holy Spirit, which is dwelling inside of all of his believers, say, God, teach me from your word? So we will read a whole chapter, and really I'm making a bigger deal out of it than it really is. But sometimes we need to practice There's this, these disciplines when it comes to our faith. Discipline is good for us. Discipline we know is good for kids. You can tell when a child is not disciplined. But for us, with God as our Father, He knows that we need discipline in our lives. Discipline to spend time in His Word. Discipline to do the things we know that we should, even maybe, not maybe, but even when I don't feel like it, or to say, when I don't want to. It's still important for me to do that as well. All that to get into 1 Peter chapter 2 in just a minute here. Um, but it wasn't that long ago, June 8th of this year, Anthony Bourdain tragically took his life. He used his expertise as a chef and became well-known and well-traveled all around the world, exploring all kinds of foods and the people who ate it. He seemed to have this glamorous life, but apart from that, the part that you couldn't see took his life. And Anthony Bourdain committed suicide. He had declared as he was still living, he says, your body is not a temple. It's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. Well, that's a message that our culture, that our world will want to give to us, but God gives us a different truth. God gives me what I need to know, but not necessarily everything that I want to know. Honestly, when I read God's word, I wish that God had put some things in here that aren't, but God knows better than I do, and because if he didn't, he wouldn't be very much of a God. But what God has given me are, is, are the things that I and that you and that we need to know about him and about life, and about how to live, and how to face adversity in difficult times. But God tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, it reminds us that the body is in fact a temple, that God created that, and it's the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. God lives inside of you if you're a believer in Jesus. So we can't take what culture would tell us just to say that our body is just an amusement park, and enjoy the ride, and do whatever you want, and seem to live this great life that only comes to an end before anyone could really tell that there was something wrong. When you view someone else's life, and if you view it or you idealize somebody else's life, a friend, a, an athlete, a teacher, a musician, or someone famous, 
nobody's perfect. We all have things that we struggle with. We all have these little these demons um, that challenge our faith and that get us to question ourselves and to get us to ask the question, well, does God really love me? Could God forgive me after the things that I've done? And God tells us that he can and he will. Perhaps Anthony Bourdain could have learned by watching a 14-year-old from Texas. On May 31st of this past year, Karthik Nimani won the 2018 Scripps National Spelling Bee by correctly spelling the word koinonia. Uh, most champions win a word, win the spelling bee by hearing a word that you maybe have never heard before. Now that koinonia word may be a little bit more familiar to us as the church. We don't hear it an awful lot, but it's this uh, Greek word for fellowship, for spending time together, to be a part of the body of Christ. So that was the word that he, that he won with. One, two, an eight-letter word. He won the national spelling bee. And the definition of koinonia is an intimate spiritual communion and participative sharing in a common religious commitment or spiritual community. Some fancy Webster's Dictionary to say, we are a community of believers of like-minded faith who share burdens, who share struggles, who share victories. Koinonia is the fellowship of the church together. If only Mr. Bourdain had known about true fellowship that came from the church. Now, ironically enough, the, the runner-up, misspelled a 16-letter German origin word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. <laughs> and she just transposed one of the S's into a spot. Uh, she had all the right letters, just miss, missed it by two locations. But koinonia, the fellowship that we are to have, it shouldn't be an uncommon word. It should be a normal thing for us as followers of Christ. History tells us that William Penn was a Quaker um, involved in the colonization of what became our state of Pennsylvania. He said, right is right, even if everyone is against it. And wrong is wrong, even if everyone is for it. God talks about truths that we are to have, and that's where we get this message that Peter gives us, this letter that comes in. Because we know and God tells us that Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that our troubles go away, that our trials are removed from us. In fact, Jesus said to his followers, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He didn't say you could have trouble. He didn't say there's a 40% chance that you may have a moderate inconvenience in your life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, tribulation, trials. But he followed that up in the same breath where he said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. If we look at the history of the church and the Christians that have come before us and the Christians we can read about in the Bible, that they suffered because of their faith and for their faith. And the Apostle Paul even considered it a badge of honor that he was able to suffer for the name of Jesus. Receiving Jesus into your life won't make all your problems go away, but your greatest problem will be resolved. That you can be forgiven of sin, that you can have this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus gets rid of our biggest problem, and it's sin. Sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death, the book of Romans tells us. All right, I'm really going to read it. 1 Peter 2, that's what I've been saying this whole time, right? 1 Peter 2, is that where we are? Okay.
so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. For as it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Peter continues in verse 9. It says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, Fear God, honor the emperor. Servants must be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to the righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. 
Peter gives us some pretty, pretty, very sound advice. It comes from God, but it's pretty heavy stuff. There's a lot for us to take in. He says, don't just feel good about yourself when you suffer and you're being punished, but when you do good and you're punished for that, you need to do that graciously and lovingly. As I was reading through this passage of Scripture and listening through that, several different songs have popped into my head, songs that I know, and I love that happens when I read Scripture, and it reminds me of a song because music is powerful, and it helps the Word of God to stay with me and to stay with us. So some of the songs that you heard and that we sang today were, were, were no accident. We're saying about Christ alone, cornerstone, weak, made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. Also, as I was reading, it talked about how we're going to run. God has called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. As Charlie Hall sang, as we partake of communion together, into marvelous light, I am running out of darkness and out of shame. By the cross, you are the truth. You are the life. You are the way. And there was no other way, in a joyous and a celebratory way. And there's another song that I heard playing in my head as I read these words of Scripture, where it talked here at the end, and the song is called, By His Wounds. And Jeff's going to cue this up for this and play it out of the media library back there. Um, it says, when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten them back, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, talking about God. He himself bore our sins on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Why? By his wounds we are here. Let's listen and I'll have a few more comments.
Schultz in his classic comic strip, Peanuts, Charlie Brown once proclaimed, he says, I've got a new philosophy. I'm only going to dread one day at a time. <laughs> Maybe you feel like that, but as believers, we, we don't have to feel a burden in life alone that God is for us. And if he's a for us, who can be against us? He is there to encourage us. And I want to read the very last verse of First Peter chapter 2 again. It says, for you all were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Peter includes that after he started out the chapter with, so put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long through the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We should crave this intimate connection with our Father. To be connected in koinonia fellowship with other believers, with other Christians, and to know God and His Word is enough to sustain us, and God has given us what we need. May we be encouraged, may we be strengthened by God and by His Word that He gives us, and by the community when we come together as the church. Let's pray together.